back every year and so honor her today and happy to be here before I do anything else I'll get in trouble if I don't do this and uh, Alma said to say hi she she called me early this morning and she knew I was going to be here and she said be sure and tell everybody I said hi especially mom she said tell her that I said hi and so she sends her greetings they wish she could have been here but because of immigration and things, it's not been possible for her husband to get his papers yet. And uh, they decided to do things legal the right way. And it seemed like when you do it the right way, it takes a lot longer than if you just did it the way everybody else is doing it. And uh, so anyway, but she sends her greetings. Also, I have her brother, Ricardo. He's a great friend, great man of God. And uh, he travels with me um, almost all the time anymore. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, I'm happy this morning to be here in this church uh, three times. So I've been here three times now. So one time I sang over there. One time I sang over there. And now I'm going to sing here. So I'm happy because God's been good. Uh, Dios es bueno. God is good. Dios es bueno en México. God is good in Mexico. Dios es bueno en todo el mundo. And He's good in all the world. En Estados Unidos, Dios es México. Dios es bueno. And in, Me in the United States, God is good. Y uh, mi, esto, yo soy de Monterrey, México. I'm come from Monterrey, Mexico. Y ahí mi papá ha pastoreado por muchos años. And my father has been a pastor there for many years. Y yo no sé hoy en día cuando usted escucha la palabra México, qué es lo que piensa de México. And I don't know what you think about Mexico now when you hear the word Mexico. What you think? Pero México hoy es violencia. But today in Mexico there's a lot of violence. Inseguridad. Insecurity. Mi hija me hablaba y que hay muchos, este, los narcos, muchos, muchos balazos. And my daughter has called me even on this trip and said there's a lot of narc, narc, um, narcotic activities. La gente queda en las plazas muerta. They find people dead in the plazas. Nos hablan nuestros amigos de, de México y nos dicen tengan cuidado para cruce, para que antes de que crucen a México. And our friends call us and they tell us to be careful before we cross back into Mexico. La maldad ha aumentado mucho. Because the evil has, has grown a lot in Mexico. Pero tenemos un amigo que nos ama. But we have a, a God that loves us. Tenemos un amigo que se llama Jesús. We have a friend whose name is Jesus. Y tenemos un amigo que él ha prometido estar con nosotros todos los días. And we have a friend that promised to be with us all the days. Hasta el fin del tiempo. Until the end of time. Y ese canto lo cantamos en México hasta hoy en día. And this song we sing in Mexico up, up until today. Yo tenía unos ocho años, diez años. I was maybe eight or ten years old. Y yo abajo de las bancas de las sillas ahí escuchaba ese canto. And I, underneath the benches and the seats, I heard this song. Era un niño como ellos. I was a kid or child like them. Y yo me quedaba dormido escuchando ese canto. And I fell asleep listening to this song. Pero ahora entiendo el poder de ese amigo Jesús. But now I understand the power in this friend whose name is Jesus. The song is like this. Yo tengo un amigo que me ama, me ama, me ama. 
Y yo tengo un amigo que me ama. Su nombre es Jesús. Y que me ama, que me ama, que me ama, sí, con tierno amor. Que me ama y que me ama, su nombre es Jesús. Yo tengo un amigo que me ama, amen. me ama, me ama. Yo tengo un amigo que me ama, su nombre es Jesús. Y que me ama, y que me ama, que me ama, sí, con tierno amor, que me ama. Su nombre es Jesús. Hay poder, There's power, poder power. One, sin igual poder. Y en Jesús, quien murió resucitó. Si sí hay poder, poder y sin igual poder. En la sangre que él vertió, hay poder, poder y sin igual poder en Jesús. Quien murió y resucitó, si sí hay poder, poder y sin igual poder. Y en la sangre que Él vertió, en la sangre que vertió, y en la sangre que Él vertió. Aleluya. Gracias, Señor. Thank you, Lord. And aside from the fact of the way things are in Mexico, my dad is now about 80 years old. And the last accident that he had, he had climbed up in a tree to cut some limbs off a tree and he Se fell out tres costillas. of the tree and, and broke three ribs. Se cortó su rostro. Cut his face up. Y nadie pensaba que iba a levantarse otra vez. Pero desde que él entrega su vida a Cristo, él tiene algo siempre en su corazón. Siempre está gritando. Aleluya. Aleluya. Él siempre está brincando. Siempre. Y nosotros, la familia de él, cuando lo veíamos en su situación, and when, and when the family, they saw him in this, in this situation, we, we, we were sad. Pero, sabe, hasta hoy en día, Dios es más fuerte que cualquier cosa. 
No hay nada imposible para Dios. There is nothing impossible for God. El enemigo pensaba que él ya se iba a quedar ahí. The enemy thought that he was going to stay there. Y así creyó de Jesucristo cuando estaba sepultado en la tumba. And that's what he thought when Jesus was in the tomb. Pero al tercer día, but on the third day, al tercer día él se levanta victorioso de la on tumba. On the third day he raised a victorious from the tomb. Y hoy en día, hoy, hoy, si usted va a Monterrey, and if you go to Monterrey today, usted antes de llegar a la iglesia, before you even get to church, sigue escuchando esos gritos. You can hear his shouts from uh, inside hallelujah. the building. Hallelujah! Gloria a Dios! Bendito el nombre del Señor! Y, y, y él dice, yo todos los días me veo al espejo y veo un hombre de 80 años. He said every day, he said he looks in the mirror and he sees an 80-year-old man. Pero él alienta a la gente diciéndole que tenemos un Dios grande. But he keeps telling people that we have a big God. Dice que cada vez que él está en la presencia del Señor. He said every time that he's in the presence of the Lord. Él se siente como un ninja, como un karateka. That he feels like a ninja, like a karate. Y empieza a brincar. And he begins to jump. Y empieza él a adorar a Dios porque tenemos un Dios grande. And he begins to praise God because we have a big God. Y sabe que hoy en día en México. And today in Mexico. Hay un hombre que se llama Gregorio Wood. There's a, somebody there named Greg Wood. Tiene una casa hogar. He has a children's home. Y en medio de la violencia. And in the middle of all the, of all the violence. Él, there's men like him. Hombres como mi papá. Men like my dad. Hombres que yo, yo también, ahí estoy, ahí ayudando. ¿eh? And me too, I'm there as well. <laughs> y, y estamos en medio de todo, estamos alabando y exaltando el nombre del Señor. And we're there praising and lifting up the name of Jesus. Porque por gracia somos salvos. By grace we are saved. Por gracia somos salvos. By grace we are saved. ¿Cuántos pueden levantar su mano y decir, sublime gracia? How many can raise your hand and say, amazing grace? Sublime gracia del Señor que al pecador salvó. Fui ciego más, voy veo yo. Perdido él me halló, su gracia me enseñó a temer mis dudas él quitó. fue mi ser cuando él me transformó en los peligros de aflicción que he tenido aquí su gracia siempre me libró y me guiará feliz y cuando en Sion por si sí 
siglos mil. Brillante como el sol, yo cantaré por siempre ahí su amor que me salvó. Por siempre ahí su amor que me salvó, su amor que me salvó. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Again, we're happy to be here. Um, Brother Ricardo has worked with me since we were both very young. I think he was still a teenager for sure. And uh, I was just a little bit older than that. And uh, him and his brother and two sisters were a music group. And they traveled with me all over Mexico, and they would do all the praise and worship in the tents, and every time we did a crusade, and I would preach. And then even in the States, when I would travel in the States, they would travel with me in the States, and they've been with me in the States many times. Now, the rest of them are older, they're married, and it's a little more difficult for everybody to get away and come with me. But but uh, he always, whenever I tell him I'm coming and I ask him to come along with me, he's always willing to come. And I'm so thankful for that. And, and, uh, he, he, he has his own business. He has his own ministry and he leaves it all to come and help me on this trip. So I thank God for him and his ministry and what he's doing. And, and, uh, I want to get into a little bit. There's, I don't see a clock and that could be a bad thing or I don't know. It could be a good thing or it could be a bad thing. So, yeah, huh? It's a good thing. Well, if you, if I get too long, I don't think I will, but if I get too long, I, I can't see the clock. So somebody let me know. That hey, it's getting you know so, and uh, I try to respect time. And but we're so happy to be here again, and uh, I share with you a little bit in all the different areas of ministry that we're working in. Most everybody knows about the orphanage, and and uh, that's probably one of the biggest areas in ministry that we're working in, and definitely the area that we spend most of our time in. But besides the orphanage, we have other areas of ministry that we work in, and so I want to share a little bit about all those different areas. Of course, people know that. We have a fellowship of churches in Mexico, and and uh, the churches are all doing well, even in the midst of of uh, 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 sickness. And Brother Bernardo, who has been with it, be here in this church. Uh, he this year had been very sick, and and uh, they thought he you know, he did have a tumor, and uh, they they had did some tests and things and found out that it wasn't anything to worry about. But uh, he still needs your prayers. He's still not a hundred percent. He one day after service, he he was not feeling well, and uh, he he uh, fainted right after church when they were locking him up. But the next thing he remembered was when he was in the hospital. And so uh, that week, I think he fainted three more times and uh, just some things that was going on with him. But God's good, and he's doing better, and, and he sends his, his uh, greetings to all of you as well. Um, uh, another lady pastor that we have, she's been working with us for... I don't know, at least 15 years, and uh, doing a tremendous job. 
You know, sometimes, especially in Mexico, if it wasn't for the, the women pastors, the, the, word of, the work of God wouldn't have advanced as much in Mexico as it, as it did. I thank God for the women pastors and how the work that they do and the sacrifices that they do to see the work of God. And she's married to a wonderful man. He's not, he, he's not in the ministry at all other than helping her fulfill her call on her life. And a great man, a great man of God. He's just not, he doesn't preach or anything like that, but they bought a, piece of property. Now, those of you that have been to Victoria, you know that Victoria sits at the bottom of a mountain. And right on the edge of Victoria, there's a huge mountain. And uh, they bought a piece of land uh, up on the side of the mountain, as high up as you could go on that mountain and still stay on the mountain. If, if you would go up any higher, it's just too steep. You couldn't do anything. And they bought a piece of land up there. And, and I, I wondered at what they were doing buying a piece of land up there because when, we, when they bought that piece of land, there wasn't anything up there. There wasn't any houses up there. There wasn't any properties. There's no electric. Even to this day, there's no electric. There's no water. And uh, they bought that piece of land, and, and they said, we want to build a church on this piece of land. And uh, I agreed, and we offered to help because we know her and know her heart, and we offered to help. And, and uh, they decided that they wanted to do it all on their own. And through that local congregation, they built a beautiful building on that site, and uh, I just was there about a, a month ago, a month and a half ago, and uh, that building now is full. She has, I mean, I don't know where they could get anybody else in that building. is full and just doing a tremendous job. Of course, now there's some other houses around that area, but but uh, just doing a tremendous job. And I thank God for that. And uh, and, and uh, later, uh, a couple of years ago, she said, Brother Greg, I want to start another church. And I said, where are you going to start the, and she started another church now, three and a half hours away from Victoria. Which means this morning, while we're here, she's in Victoria preaching. And when they get done there, they get in their car and drive three and a half hours every Sunday to the second service. And they, now they get a nice, beautiful building there as well that they built from that, through that local congregation. And I was there again a little over a month ago and, uh, that place is full. In fact, we had to put an awning on the on the on the front of the church because not everybody can get inside the building. We had the church was packed, and they had about fifty people outside the church that couldn't get in the building, and they had to put an awning on the on the on the, on the front side of the building so that people could be out under, out from underneath the sun. And uh, that was going good, and and we were happy, and I was excited about what she was doing, and then she wanted to start another church. So tonight she'll be at that church after driving, you know, three and a half hours to get there. She'll be at that church. She'll spend the night there. Tomorrow on her way back from that church, back to Victoria, she's pastoring two little bishops that she just started recently. And uh, they're doing good. And I, I'm, by the time I come here next year, I'm sure that we'll be talking about churches there as well. And uh, But I thank God for the men and women of God that God has called to work with us there in Mexico. Just... People that are so dedicated to the work of God and seeing the Word of God being preached that they give it their everything. They give it their all. And, and uh, like her, I could talk to you about many, many other ones. But I thank God for people like that that, that uh, work with us. And, and uh, Brother, he talked a little bit about his dad. His dad has worked with us for many years in the, in, in, in the ministry there. Pastors a great church in Monterey. When they started that church in Monterey, they had a... A little lot on the that on the back side of their house that wasn't even theirs, and they got permission to use that, and so they had open door meetings on the back side of the house. 
Later on, they were able to get a small tent, and they put a tent out there, and they had, I don't know, maybe for a year or so, they had uh, meetings in, in, in that tent on the back side of their house. Then they were able to build a, a small room on the back side of the house that belonged to them. And they had that literally so packed out that many times when I was there that it was standing room only. In other words, if you went to church, you had to stand up all through the service because if they put chairs in there, there wasn't enough room for people to get into the service. And then they started, they grew, from that they kept growing and they started setting chairs up in the street in front of the church. So on service days, Sundays and, and the days they had service, they had to block off the, the, the street so that the, that people had, they had to rock traffic a different way because they were having service and they had those chairs out in the street and, and it kept growing and it kept growing and then they went, they, finally they said, I gotta rent a building and they rented a building and it kept growing and now they're in, I guess it's the fourth or fifth building that, that they've had to, to rent that, so that they could have a place big enough to have their church and doing a tremendous job and, and, uh, I wish someday you could all be with me in one of the services there. His family, they're one of the best praise and worship teams I have ever heard, literally. And uh, they are great, and, and uh, we're so thankful for them. And uh, you remember Brother Dominguez? Brother Dominguez had worked with my dad, and he, they, uh, he worked with my dad for many, many years. And, and my dad passed away, and then later Brother Dominguez passed away. When Brother Dominguez passed away, his wife took over the church back there in San Rafael. A village that took a long time to get way back up in the village, and uh, but the wife took over the church. And every time I would go back there to that church, I would tell uh, their son, his name was Osiel. I said, Osiel, God's called you to preach; that you're called to ministry. And he wasn't even saved. He laughed at me. He said, Ah, that's not for me. I said, I'm not into that. And uh, he wasn't even saved at the time. But every time I would go back there, I would tell him that. And uh, I remember one day we had a pastors' meeting in Padilla. And we, of course, invited all, our, all of our pastors to come out. And so Brother Osiel came to the meeting because he had to bring his mom to the meeting. And so she was in the meeting, and he stayed outside as long as he could. But it was so hot that finally he decided he would come inside because he, it was just so hot outside that he had to get in out, out from under the sun. So he came inside the building and, and sat in the very back row and just tried to stay back there where... And uh, he kept hearing the Word of God being preached, and I remember when the altar call uh, was given that day, and it was a pastor's meeting. I don't know, I guess God just moved that way, but uh, in that pastor's meeting, there was an altar call given, and he gave his heart, he came forward and gave his heart to Jesus Christ. He had a 9mm pistol in his, in his belt. He took the 9mm pistol, laid it on the bench, covered it up with his cowboy hat, and came forward to give his heart to Jesus Christ. And he had worked in the ministry ever since that day. That day changed his life completely. And from that time till just about a month ago, he'd been in ministry all that time. And he passed away about a month and a half ago. We'll miss him, but I thank God for the legacy that started with his dad first and then his mom and now him and the great legacy that they left there in that village. And, and uh, so we don't know. We're going to find a, another pastor to take that, that place, but... Uh, I thank God for the, like I said, for the type of ministers that God has called to work with us. And we're so grateful for them. Pray for our pastors of Mexico. Right now, as, and I'm not trying to compare ourselves with what's going on in another place in the world, but definitely there, there is a, a risk in Mexico. The violence that is there is, is something that is very real. The, uh, in, in Reynosa, they, there's uh, gunfights all over Reynosa right now at this time. 
And so pray with uh, our pray, pray for our pastors and pray for us as we travel. Another thing that I love to do and, and have done nearly all my ministry is I, I love to do crusades. And uh, there was a time I've always owned tents since I could since I was pretty young. I've owned tents, and we'd have tent meetings all over Mexico, and and uh, we had gotten to a place where we were having one tent meeting every other month. And uh, a different place in Mexico, we did many, many in Monterey. And and uh, we had, uh, I, I can't countless number of miracles that had taken place, notable miracles like people that were totally blind, and in an instant's time they would receive their sight. People that were in wheelchairs. I remember one service that on one side of the tent there was people that, a whole group of people that was deaf. And in, in a moment's time, every one of them at the same time received their, their hearing. Hallelujah. We see people come out of wheelchairs, and I could talk to you about cancers and things, and how many people have been healed in those. And and uh, I I love doing tent crusades. And later uh, I started having trouble with my back, and and uh, the doctor thinks we don't know, but the doctor thinks that probably because of the tents, and you know moving and pulling and stretching the tents, that probably sometime that's how I injured my back. And so time went on, and then COVID hit, and, and I, I, I decided, I thought, well, probably my tent days are probably just about over. And I thought, maybe I'll sell my tent, and, and why it still has some value, and I'll sell it and get some money out of it and use that for different areas of ministry, because probably I'm not going to be doing any more tent meetings. Well, that's what I thought. I sold that tent. That tent would seat about a 1,000 people. I sold that tent. And then a year ago, a lady calls me on the phone, and she said, I bought a brand new tent, and she said, I used it one time thinking that's what I want to do. And when I, after one tent meeting, I realized that that wasn't for me. I got this brand new tent I don't know what to do with. You want to come get my tent? <laughs> so I thought the tent meetings were over with. I thought I was done doing tent meetings, and I guess God had a different idea. And so I have a tent again. And uh, last year, after I came home from this trip, last year, we used that tent, set that tent up for the first time, had many salvations come forward. We had it in a new area that, since I hadn't done any tent meetings for a couple of years, um, people in that area didn't really know about us, and, and uh, but people off the streets just started coming into the tent as we were preaching, and, and uh, God did some miraculous things, and so we thank God for that. I don't know, I guess I'm going to continue doing tent meetings, I guess, and and uh, as this month yet, or November really, in November we have our next tent meeting schedule. So, again, pray with us as we go back that God will use us and in that area. And, and many people, pray for a salvation. I want people to get saved. I, I love to see the miracles, and I love to see people. And that, that is wonderful, but I want to see people get saved. And so, pray with us as we go back with the tent, and uh, God will use us in in the tent meetings, and people will get saved this year and under the tent, and, and uh, we're excited about that. Uh, of course, the, one of the other areas that we're doing is in, uh, in the Bible College, and uh, I still believe today that the Bible College is one of the greatest tools that we have to getting the gospel out. Because I can do so much, and we stay very, very busy, and, and uh, I, don't take a, I don't take a day off. I don't, I don't, and people say, why don't you take a day off? Because I don't want to. I love ministry. I love doing what I do. And, and to me, if I take a day off, I, what, what am I going to do with myself? You know, and uh, we stay very, very busy. But I found out a long time ago that I can only do so much. 
that I am very busy and I can only reach so many people. I only have so many hours in a day that I can work. I, and, but if I can duplicate myself in the lives of many other young men and women or older men and women as well, that we can get a whole lot more done with the gospel. And so the Bible college is a wonderful tool that we have to get that done. And the Bible school is, is, is changing in ways that I never thought that it would happen. One of the things that's happened is that we had, I, I think it probably came through a recommendation from Shalom, I think. But there's a, a, a detention center in Florida that called me one day, and they said, we have a lot of Hispanic people in our prison that they want to go to Bible college. And they asked me if we would supply the Spanish materials that they need so that they can, their, their inmates there that want to go to Bible college can go to Bible college. And I said, of course we. And so today, I, I thought that the, everything that we do in ministry, I thought, would always be centered in Mexico. I never dreamed that we'd be doing things outside of Mexico. And that's where I'm called, and that's where I'm going to, and uh, I'll be there till God takes me home. And, and I love Mexico. And, and uh, I thought everything that we would do would always be right there in Mexico. And then we got, now we have, we have one student, it's just one student, but we got our foot in the door now, and we have a student that is going to our Bible college in, in a detention center in Florida. And, uh, they're not going anywhere for a long time, and, and we, we're believing that through that one person that it's going to grow, and that there's other people that are going to join the Bible college in that. And so, I'm a super excited about that. The, the, the thing that from our little ministry there in Padilla and in, in Mexico that, that we're reaching way beyond Mexico, way beyond. And to me, that is just so exciting. And then, just in the last year or so, I started getting phone calls and requests from pastors in Africa. And we're not even listed as an English Bible college. We're listed, you know, as a Spanish Bible but I get people from Africa now that are talking to us that they want to come to Bible school with us. And I don't know. Yeah, hallelujah. I, I don't know yet. <laughs> we're not sure yet how we're going to make that happen because to do that, I would have to have more staff. I literally can't do any more than, than, than in that area unless I had some more staff that could take care of that part of the, of the ministry. But I'm believing if that's God's will, if, that's, if God's opening up a door for us to minister in Africa, that he will supply the staff, he'll supply the... You know, I found out a long time ago, and, and this is something that, that I, I always think about. when Whenever God tells me to do something, most generally I don't have the funds to get it done. I don't have the... But I know this, that every time God tells me to do something, he has already in place everything that I need to get that accomplished. All the finances, all the people, all the resources, everything that I need to get that done, God has already supplied it. Now, I may have to pray it in. I may have to talk to people. I may have to do some things myself. But I know this, that when God speaks, he already has in mind how he's going to meet the needs. And I found out he's not broke. <laughs> Hallelujah. I, I remember when, when I, I went back... In early days, I remember when I had the faith in $1,000. I remember that, that, oh, God, help us. We need $1,000, Lord. we got to get through this. And, and, and now $1,000 is nothing. I mean, and, huh? Yeah, it's more like 10000 when our, 
our budget just for the orphanage alone is like eight thousand a month. And so just for the orphanage alone, we had to we had to believe in eight thousand a month just for the orphanage alone. You know what? He supplies it every month. Hallelujah. We have eight full-time people on staff that we pay. We have, uh, you know, our, our electric bill. Uh, our electric bill alone is $1,000. Can you believe that? And uh, But God supplies it all. We are not in debt. We don't owe anybody anything. All our staff is paid up. Hallelujah. Huh? Thank you, Jesus. So I found out he's not. But anyway, I, I, I somehow I got off onto all that, but. But uh, I found out, so if, if it's God's will that we are going to move into this area in Africa, I believe that he'll open the doors and he'll give me the staff and he'll give me the people and he'll give me the resources and, and, and everything that we need to get that done. So that's exciting to me. And then just the, this last year or so, it's, the, the Mexican government has rumored around for a couple years now but they're getting a little bit more serious about it. And they're saying, what, what, what they're saying now is that every pastor in Mexico that is not, does not has, have a certificate from an institute that is recognized by the Department of Education of Mexico can no longer preach the gospel. Every, every pastor has to have a certificate to be able to preach the gospel. And if they don't have a certificate that is not by an institute that is recognized by the Department of Education in Mexico, which is a secular department, it's not a religious one, that they will no longer be able to preach in Mexico. And everybody, when we start talking, hearing this thing and people start getting worried and they, they, they look at it, you know, I don't look at that as a problem. I look at that as an opportunity. Because I say, well, what, my idea, or my thinking is, what do I got to do to get uh, accredited with the, with the Department of Education in Mexico so that our Bible college can give out those certificates? So the first thing I did, I contacted my Mexican attorney, and I told him to get on this. I said, whatever we have to do, find out what we have to do so that our Bible college will be one of the Bible colleges that will be listed with the Department of Education, so that we can hand out those certificates to those pastors that need it. And not only would that benefit our pastors that work directly with us, but other pastors throughout Mexico that don't have that, that the, any way of getting that, we will be one of the ones that will be able to give those certificates out. What a blessing. And while everybody looking at a problem, I'm looking at this and like, like, like what an opportunity. That our Bible college can be, uh, be well known throughout all of Mexico and whatever, because we'll be one. And uh, I don't know what hoops we have to jump through yet. We don't know what it's going to cost. We've already spent probably three thousand dollars on 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 this particular thing alone. I don't know what it's going to cost, but but uh, I believe that God's going to open the door there with the government, and that we will get, have favor with the government. And that we will have our Bible college is registered in, with the Department of Education so that we can open that up. And I thank God for that. You know, and uh, not just for our pastors. I, I thank God that our pastors will be covered. Hallelujah. But I thank God that other men of God that don't even work with us, that are called of God, and they've been preaching and pastoring for many years, that we'll be able to offer them the same coverage that, that, that we're offering our pastors. And so pray with us as we go back that God will will help us to have favor with the government and with the Department of Education and whatever we have to do to get that done, that God will help us to get that done in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. And so we're excited about that. 
And uh, a pastor had asked me uh, earlier, I think this morning, if we were still on, on radio. We were on radio uh, still. I've been doing radio now for, I guess, 15 years or so in Mexico and, and uh, enjoy doing radio. Uh, we're still full time, 24 hours a day, Spanish radio and, and uh, online. Uh, it, we're, it's an online station. So anywhere online, we have an app for your phone that you can download the app and you can listen to it on your phone. Um, there are many ways you can listen to it. And uh, it's, it's doing well. And, and uh, I thank God for that. This year, we were offered the opportunity, and we're looking at the possibility of having a local FM station in the Victoria area where we can broadcast the gospel 24 hours a day in Victoria. Victoria alone now today has about 700,000 people in Victoria. And include all the outlying areas of Victoria, they're somewhere probably around 2 million people that, that could, could, could have the possibility of listening to an FM radio station there. And so we're praying about it. Again, it's, a, it's another, you know, that's about 10000 Just for the equipment alone is about $10,000 plus the permits and things. But, but uh, we're looking at doing that. As far as work goes, it really wouldn't be any more work because whatever we're playing online, we'll just play on the FM station as well. And uh, so we're excited about that. But in the middle of all that, uh, then came COVID. And I was in a church in Houston before, in, in November before COVID hit. And uh, I was at a church in Houston, and, the, and a pastor came to me, and, and he said, we had upgraded all of our equipment in our church. And he said, would you be interested in all of our old equipment that we have? And he had a sound equipment. He had speakers. He had cameras. He had... And, uh, and at the time, I really didn't know what I was going to do with all the equipment. I mean, it was a trailer full. I had to, I had to go get it in a trailer. And I didn't know what I was going to do with all the equipment, but I said, yeah, we need it. Yeah, we'll take it. And, uh, got it home. And, uh, I had it stored in a, in a, in a building there on, on the property there at the orphanage. And, and then COVID hit. And like many places in Mexico, they said that, that we had to shut down the churches for a period of time and, they wouldn't allow in-person church services. And uh, so we, everybody said, well, what are we going to do? And, and like everybody else, we thought, well, we'll go online. And we'll have our services online so that our people in our local congregation will have a way to be able to listen to the services and be, and be fed until we can go back to having in-person services. So that's what we did. And, and uh, I remembered that we had all that equipment, and it was just exactly what we needed to be able to do the online, because uh, you know, it's even before I knew, even before I knew I needed the equipment, God knew I needed the equipment, and and so He exactly He had already met the need before I knew I needed it, and uh, so we had I, I went to check it, and we had everything we needed to, to 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 go online, and so we started online services. What I didn't expect through that is that. Through the online services that people that were not congregants of ours, that people that didn't go to our church, started listening to our, our, our online service. And in fact, we begin to see that as soon as we would go live, they would start connecting because we had a way of seeing when they were connecting. And they would start connecting just as soon as we would go live. And it kept growing and it kept growing. And, and uh, when it came down to where we could go back to having in-person services, we decided we have to keep this going because there's so many people now that are tuning into us that, that how can we shut it down now? And so 
out of that, there was a thing called Emmanuel TV that was birthed out of that. Our, our church's name is Emmanuel Church, and so, and just while we were live, uh, I just called Emmanuel TV, not knowing that I was kind of prophetically setting myself up to have an online now TV station. And now we have, uh, you can get apps again for your phone. You can watch our TV station on online. You can uh, uh, watch it on, on the web. You can, there's many different ways that you can watch the online. We have not promoted it one bit. And today, between 150 and 300 countries tune into us every month. People and countries, I really don't understand. Russia listens to us every month. It's, I, I, there's a place I can go check the, st- the statistics online, and they'll tell me what countries are tuning in. And, and I'm looking at that, Russia. I thought, what in the world is Russia tuning into a Spanish station for? Germany, and, and on and on, between 150 and 300 stations are listening to us every month. And uh, we took that, and, and uh, I really, I didn't want to promote it until I could, uh, I need a piece of software where I could program it, like if, if say you, your church wanted to have a program that come on at 10 in the morning on Sunday, with this new software, I could program your program that would come in at that time every Sunday morning, whether I was there to, ma- to manage it or not. And that was a pretty expensive piece of software, and and, uh, and I just, about a month ago, I purchased that software. And so as soon as I get home, then I can implement that software now into our TV station, and we'll be able to manage it a lot better, and, and then we will start promoting it. But without promoting it, we we got a big audience, and, and uh, I don't know how it happens, but, you know, yeah. And uh, one guy from, I think, the Philippines, he said, I don't understand what you're saying, but I love the music, and so I listen to you all the time just to hear the music. And uh, but anyway, that's that's growing, and we're still thankful for what God is doing there. And and uh, see, to me, those are just tools to get the gospel out. That everything that we do is is a tool or a means to get the gospel out. And I am determined that I am going to get the gospel every possible way that I can until He comes back. And so, whatever it is, if it's TV, radio, and orphanage, and Bible college, I am determined that I'm going to get the gospel out every way I can until he comes back or he, or he takes me home, either one. And I hope he leaves me here long enough that I can, I can get a lot more done. And, uh, but anyway, we're thankful for that. And I'll finish up with the orphanage, and I, again, I don't know where our time is. We're, we're, oh, boy. Sorry, Mom. <laughs> And uh, I hope she invites me back. <laughs> I'll, go, I'll go real quick. The orphanage. One thing that most people don't understand about the orphanage is that it's a, obviously it's a Christian orphanage, and we, we talk to them about God and you know, things of God and whatever. But the kids, when we get them, when my dad started the orphanage back in the 70s, all the cases that he had were hardship cases where, where if he wasn't there, the, 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 the mom or whatever didn't have the means to support their kids. And if dad wasn't there, there wouldn't be a way that they would probably be eating. And so dad filled that need, and he had many kids there in the orphanage that, that he helped out because if he wouldn't have been there, they would, many of them wouldn't have eaten. And, but today that's not the case. All of the cases we have in the orphanage today are kids that are troubled. 
that they are with us for a reason, that they've been removed from the home, they've been, they've, uh, there's something that has happened in their life that they, they're not able to be at their home, and so the state has gone in and taken them out of their home and brought them to us. And that's the kind of, to give you an idea, and I, I, I hope I'm not being too, but this year we got another new girl, and uh, she's 14 years old. Her mother had prostituted her out at that age, and, and, uh, and with that, of course, came a lot of pain, a lot of hurt, a lot of uh, things that is going on in her life. And after she came to us uh, shortly, there was one day this summer that she was up on the roof when, the, when they found her. She was up on the roof with a knife, and she was getting ready to thrust a knife into her stomach. And she was wanting to end her life. This, since we've come on this trip, she had went into one of the bathrooms and she had tried to hang herself. We have a boy in the orphanage today that when he came to us, there's not one place on his body that he doesn't have a scar. Literally. He, uh, he's either been cut or burnt or he's been um, beaten, or, but all over his body. He has scars where, he, where they—that's what they've done to him. And so you can imagine the kind of pain and the kind of uh, whatever that when we get them, the the things that we have to deal with to to, to, to be able to reach them and, and touch their lives. First, the first thing they don't want to hear much about God because they ask the first thing they ask is where was God when all this was happening to me? Of course, we know it's not God's fault, but but to them that's a legitimate question. And so that's what they ask us, where was God when all this was happening to me? And, and uh, the only reason why I share that is because that is the condition of nearly all the kids that we get when we receive them. And the, the state has found out one thing that I have never told them no on, on receiving a, a kid. Every time they've called me and asked me if we would take in another kid, I have never told them no. Because I believe that if God has us there, he has us there for a reason. And if we don't take him in many times, that they, they will just, the state will just kind of, the state's answer to this, this girl's problem that I told you about, the state's answer to this girl's problem is, we'll just keep her high enough on drugs that she'll just be a zombie and she won't hurt herself. That's literally the, the state's answer to, to her problem is. And so, like I said, I, I tell you this to tell you that that's the condition of the kids when we get them. But the condition of it, when, when after they've been with us for a while, now some of those kids that have been with us for a while are now a part of our praise and worship team at church, and on the and and seeing some of the girls that came to us in that and now seeing on our praise and worship, we got boys that they learned how to play the drums and the guitar and the bass and the piano and and they are now I I, I remember I. Sometimes I've had trouble finding musicians for our services, and and uh, I just one time they I heard the kids playing, and I said, "Why don't we use our own kids?" And uh, so now some of those kids that are with us now came out of that, and now are, are on our praise and worship team at the church. We had one boy that was uh, this year had left us. He was 23 when he left. The state said he has to be out when he's 18. But I don't have the heart to 
just kick them out when they're 18. If they, if they got no place to go, why would I send them back out on the street to what they came out of? And so he stayed with us till he was 23, till he could get out on his own and support himself. And uh, when he left there, he had been through Bible college, and now he was preaching the word, hallelujah, when he left us. So it gives you an idea of how they are when they come to us. And now, after God has worked on them, and how after they've been with us for a while, God has been working on their lives or whatever, and healing them and everything that has to take place, you can see the, the contrast between the, the, when they first get there and after they've been there with us for a while. And that excites me. Uh, believe me, it's, it's tough to watch some of the things that they go through. I go through staff like many people go through. through huh? I, I can't even think of a good word to use, but, but anyway, I go through staff like, because not everybody wants to see a little girl up on the roof with a knife in her gut getting ready to thrust it in, in it. That day I had half my staff. That day wanted to quit. And so you could imagine the, 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 the stress or whatever. But pray for our staff. Pray for our people that they, 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 they really want to do good. They really want to help. And, but, but sometimes it can be quite stressful. And, uh, but anyway, I just want to give you those two contrasts to how they, if, if they can stay with us long enough that God can work on them and God can transform them and God can change them. Take all that hurt and pain away and out of that pain and hurt, turn it into something good. And so thank God for that. Another thing, and I, I, I'm quitting with this. The, uh, the Mexico, I always thought that Mexico was always several years behind the U.S. And uh, with all this woke stuff and, and all this, uh, you know, I always thought that a lot of times Mexico would watch the U.S. and how the U.S. does things. And sooner or later they would start adapting the U.S. way of doing things and, and whatever. Mexico is leading the way in the schools for the, all this transgender garbage and things that, that, that they're teaching. When we got our textbooks this year, the first year that the Mexican government paid for the textbooks, up until this year, we had to buy even the textbooks. And uh, this year they wanted to pay for it and give it to us because they, did, they thought that by giving it to us that nobody would, would complain about any of the stuff that was in it. And when we got, like, take the second and third grade, take their math book. Their math book had, like, 30 pages of math equations, and the rest of it was girls kissing girls and, and equality, and, and you have to uh, be tolerant of all these type of things. And, and, uh, and what's in the book is terrible enough, but they have these QR codes, if you know what a QR code is. And the kids can take their phone and they can scan that QR code. And it takes, takes them to a website. It takes them to a website that is much worse material than what's in the book. And I said, I, I, not that I was wanting to see what was, but I, I said, I got to see what my kids are looking at. So I scanned one, one QR code and a prostitute came up. And they were calling her a sex worker. And they were saying that she was trying to teach them different techniques about, and, uh, and I just leave it there. And why do I say all this? When I go home, I'm going to make a decision whether we're going to start a Christian school in Mexico or not. That's the only reason why I bring this up. I don't need any more work. I don't need another job. 
I wish I could steal toy and take her down there and let her do that for me. I would be in trouble with mom, so I won't. <laughs> so I won't do that. But but uh, we are really seriously considering going back home and starting a Christian school, K through 12th grade. And uh, like I said, I'm not looking forward to doing it. It's not something that. But I can't believe the garbage that they're trying to teach the kids. And they have them eight hours. And they indoctrinated them for eight hours a day. And they tell tell the kids, they said, well, your parents are antiquated. They really don't know what they're talking about. Just let them talk, but they don't know what they're talking about. Don't pay attention to what your parents are saying. This is what is the way it is. And so pray with us as we go home that God will guide us in this area and uh, he will lead us in what we need to do in reference to, to starting the school and uh, pray with, just pray with us about it. Uh, needs, uh, one of the needs we have is, is um, we need a, a van for the, the orphanage. Our only vehicle that we use for the orphanage is a Ford Explorer. And they take the kids to school in that, and you get 12 in an eight-passenger, whatever they're, six-passenger, whatever they're designed to carry. I don't know what they are. And uh, plus a driver. We get we get 10 or 12 kids that go to junior high school plus a driver that we pile in there. And if you see them piled in there, it's 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 wild. And so we need a van for, for our school. Um, I have an opportunity to buy a building in Victoria for the Bible College. And it's about $100,000. And again, I'm not saying anything here tonight other than pray with us about, about that. If it's God's will, he'll supply the need. And, uh, and again, I used to, I used to sweat over $1,000. I don't sweat over $1,000 anymore. And, uh, and if, if it's his will, I believe that he already knows where he's going to come up with the money to purchase that building. And, and I ask you to pray with us. That God will speak to those individuals, whoever that is, or companies, or whatever it is, and that we'll be able to purchase that building. And we'll have a forever home for our Bible college in Mexico. And with that, I thank you so much for everything that you do. God bless you. And I can't tell you the times that we'd be home and we would be with, like I'd have maybe, I don't know, $100 in the account. And I, I just say, God, I need a miracle. I need a miracle today. And Toy will call me and say, we deposit some money in your account. You don't know how many times. That you have been the, the, the means that God used to help us out. I, I, I don't really get into calling people up and say, oh, we, you know, we're, in a, we're in a tight bind. We need some help. I, I really don't do that. And, uh, but I don't know how many times I'd, I'd wake up in the morning and say, God, I need a miracle today. And many of those times it was this church that God spoke to. It. And because of your help and your support, we are able to do what we do. So I thank God for the call of God that's whole my life and everything that he does. But I would not be able to do anything that I do if it wasn't for people back home like you that make it possible. And with that, we say thank you so much. Bless you.
take an offering and um, I'm looking for a 